It's a positive film. It has heroes and villains, and uh, that it essentially uh, is a fun movie to watch. It's been a long time since people have been able to go to the movies and see a sort of straightforward, wholesome, fun adventure. Well, it's a fantasy. It's not science fiction so much as it is space fantasy, and it's about people. It's about. It's finally about people and not finally about science. The story, when you actually put it into words, is only so much nonsense to hang a great visual experience onto. It's the stuff that fairy tales are made of. Sort of boiling down religion into a very basic concept: uh, the fact that there is some deity or some power or some force. That sort of controls our destiny,、uh, works for good and also works for evil. Marvelous, healthy innocence, great pace, wonderful to look at, full of guts, nothing unpleasant. I mean, people go bang bang and people fall over and are dead, but you know, no horrors. A sort of wonderful freshness about it, a kind of like a wonderful fresh air. It's got whatever you want it to be. It's a, it's pure entertainment. It's like a roller coaster ride, and it can be interpreted as long as you enjoy it, which is the intention. Welcome back to Generation Skywalker, and tonight we are looking at Star Wars Celebration. So we have got a celebration of celebration, and who better to join me than someone that got back from LA from Celebration? That is Craig Spivey. Good evening, Craig. Good evening. Good time. Great time. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that is the show.、Uh, <laughs> <hope you> enjoy- <laughs> Only joking. I also have with me Jez. Good evening, Jez. Good evening, everyone. This was the first celebration you've missed in quite a while, wasn't it? Certainly is crushed. Looking forward to hearing what Craig's got to say there. Thanks, what Craig had such a good time.、Uh, and, uh, <laughs> Brilliant. And finally, we have got Mark Daniels. Good evening, Mark. Good evening. You're right, mate. I'm very well, thank you. All the better for hearing your dulcet tones. Yeah, I can imagine that. I can imagine. Okay, so celebration originally announced for 2020. Rescheduled to August 2022 due to the pandemic, then pulled forward to May. Star Wars Celebration has recently taken place at the Anaheim Convention Center in California, and Craig, like we've just said, was the only one of the Generation Skywalker team to make it to the event. We have all attended celebrations, be it a few or a lot, in the past. And on the back of our recent celebration shows of Farthest From and Echo Base Live. We're sitting down tonight to have a look at our past experiences of Lucasfilm's global Star Wars convention, and Craig will be given the opportunity to update us on some of the amazing highlights of the one that has just gone. This fandom is like a community, maybe more like a family. We all haven't seen each other in kind of a while. We're all finally here. We can reunite. It's 
really great to give the community just one big hug again. All of these friends that have been waiting to meet up and enjoy Star Wars together finally get to see each other. Part of your life is missing until it's gone. Just to see smiling faces and being able to celebrate together is super exciting. I see people from across the floor and we just start running up towards each other. It's always being able to get together with people who love the same stuff that you do. So, let's talk Star Wars Celebration. Quick overview for those who have never attended. Jez, can you give a quick rundown of what people can expect from an event like Celebration? Absolutely wonderful Star Wars overload. A complete gathering of fans celebrating the franchise from every genre. You've got a whole mixture of of dedicated diehard originals or those who are just there for the fun and the cosplay. It's It's just... An absolute celebration is the perfect name for it, by the way. It, it is absolutely perfect. There's panels with members of the uh, sort of cast and crew production, often promoting a new film or, or TV show. Now we've got Disney Plus, lots of vendors, lots of exclusives, lots of toys, lots of laughter, silliness, fun. It's just a, a thrill to go to. And you're just surrounded with like minded individuals. And it's an absolute buzz. It is. It is. I think everyone that's ever attended will be in total agreement. Uh, Mark, Celebration Anaheim 2022 has just gone. That was the 14th event. Can you give us a quick rundown of where else it has taken place? Yeah, so the first one was all the way back in um, 1999 in Denver, Colorado, in a place called Wings Over the Rockies Air and Space Museum. And uh, at that particular time, they were promoting episode one, Phantom Menace. So, yeah, we're going all the way back to 1999. It's over 20 years ago. Um, And then second one was in 2002. So it wasn't the consecutive year, uh, which as things have progressed, that's how it's it's tended to have gone. Um, That one was in Indianapolis um, at the Indiana Convention Center. And then there was a bit of a gap again. Next one was 2005, same place. Then in 2007, so a bit of a jump, uh, Los Angeles Convention Center. 2007, same year, Celebration Europe, which was the first time that it came outside the US, and that was at the XL Exhibition Center in uh, London. And then the following year, it was in Japan. And then we start to see a bit of a rolling out of the machine as it gathers pace, and um, obviously people more and more in tune with what Disney are doing. And we get one then every year, up until uh, the last one, which you just mentioned, was at the Anaheim Center. Yeah, thank you, mate. So it's been all over the place. Obviously, there has been European as well. Yeah, first one was um, London. That was the first one outside the US. Yeah. Um, then it was Japan the following year, and then it went back to um, America. 
there was one in Essen, Germany. Uh, then we got 2016. We got it came back to London. That's that's the one that I went to, um, and then back to America. They're often in sync, aren't they, with promoting something? So the first three were all, as Mark said, promoting episode one, and then it was promoting episode two, then it was promoting episode three. So it, it seems like initially it was just all a big sort of fan gathering, but also a huge marketing ploy. You know, very well timed. Then the next one after that was to the 30th anniversary, which I think is the reason why they had the two in 2007. <laughs> one and a half months apart. I mean, can you imagine that? You know, one in America, then a month and a half later, you've got one in Europe. But that that was it. It was the 30th anniversary. So they really wanted to uh, capitalise on it. So from then, they've just used it as a, as a great sort of tool to, to help them, you know, with Disney takeover. Right, let's do a celebration. Force Awakens has come in. Let's do a celebration. And I think because Disney have now started chilling out so much, celebration has kept pace with that and very much like your san diego comic cons where there's just always thirst for it always desire they're not struggling to sell tickets are they so uh it's it's an extremely successful venture for them it is it is indeed it's an it's an amazing thing if you've not been to a star wars celebration and you're a star wars fan you really are missing out on an experience now basically how how you you would probably best describe it star wars celebration a gathering of people that just love this franchise, whether you're young, old, whether you're into the original trilogy, whether you're into the sequel trilogy, anything in between. You've got the celebrities there. You've got the autographs, the autograph hunters, the people like photos with the celebrities. Uh, there's people that help make the movies and the shows that we love, authors, artists. Uh, the place is filled with vendors. Uh, cosplayers i mean the cosplaying is incredible so i've only been to two but the cosplaying is it's just something else and you see young children getting involved you see old people getting involved the exhibit hall size wise is just something different from anything you've ever seen and you will find purses and shirts and toys and art collectibles statues everything you can think of that could be Star Wars. I mean, I've seen dog coats. I've seen dog earmuffs for Princess Leia buns. There's, it, it is mental. And then you've got the panels. There's, there's normally, in, like what someone's just alluded to, a, normally a new project where you will get to see a new trailer, a new announcement, and then they bring out eight, ten of the cast and crew to discuss that for an hour. It, it, it's, it's crazy. All the way down to the, you've got the collector's track, where experts on all things collecting right down to the podcast stage it's got everything and then you've also got also got i haven't even mentioned activities we've had vr experiences there's there's crafting for the kids there's our two builder clubs and things there's games you can get involved in art spaces props meet new star wars friends that's the big one for me it's brilliant go on what have i missed tattoos tattoos yeah very true just lots of dioramas but friendly people I mean, Craig's been to the most, I think. You just don't see <laughs> grumpy people. People are generally there, really, really happy. Oh, mate, can you take a photograph of me? You know, random strangers working together, people just chatting in queues, lots of exchanging of swag, all that sort of stuff. It's just smiley, happy people. Yeah, it really is. It's basically taking a break from real life for whether you're there for a day or five days. It's just immersing yourself in a completely different world and forgetting everything else leave it at the door it's amazing
favorite part about being involved in the Star Wars universe is the fans. The most passionate and creative fans in the world, Star Wars fans. We are I know full well I don't get to even be making any of these shows or any things I've gotten to do without the support I've gotten from fans. I love you. This is phenomenal. It's just been such a thrill and honor to feel the energy of everyone. I feel like I've just been adopted into a new family. You have. So let's get some of our own experiences of Star Wars celebrations. So a quick go around the table to how many celebrations you have attended. And uh, let's go with one personal standout experience from any celebration. Mark, I'll start with you. I've only ever done one. And that was the um, 2016 one in London. I have this issue where um, I have young kids and if I said to them, daddy's going away for a week and he's going to Disneyland and he's going (laughs) to... surround himself with Star Wars for that amount of time. I, I don't think I'll be able to look them in the eye ever again. So <laughs> I, I, I'm really stuck uh, with regards to when I can go, when it's feasible for me to go. Um, when the London one was announced in 2016, I thought, right, OK, we're, we're definitely going to do this. And got together with a bunch of the guys off the, um, off the forum. This was in the days before Facebook really took a hold uh, of Star Wars collecting and, and and a lot of traffic was going through the, the you know the old Star Wars forum UK and uh, we all clubbed together and we rented a couple of flats and uh, we had an absolute blast for the for the four days that we were down there. Yeah, it was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant celebration. I think it's probably the first time that I know myself probably ever met you properly and I think that would go for a few of the other boys as well. Any standout yeah, moment from that because you you know first celebration you're on the collector's track. Yeah, no, it was. Um, it was just an amazing experience um, and some just magical moments. Um, yeah, obviously collecting track was one of those things. Um, doing a signing with the um, Acme Archives guys, that was another experience. But for me, it was the finally meeting of people that you'd spoken to online for so long and being able to meet them face to face. Having, owned, I think I'd only done one farthest from at that point and it was it was just a great experience I, I, I loved every minute it was, that for me was the, the biggest the biggest plus the whole thing was just meeting all these people for the first time in, in person brilliant well what about you craig i know you've been to several yeah i've done um i've done seven the, the first london one essen anaheim back to london orlando chicago and anaheim again so yeah quite quite a veteran really i hadn't realized just quite how many i'd been to um really hard to pick one moment they are like three four day events just full of moments um you know doing the collecting track with with mark and grant in london 2016 was brilliant that was the same year i i dressed up as old luke from force awakens and that was an experience i really enjoyed that meeting the guys from uh the tourism island stand <laughs> getting a gig to to be their official look at a couple of events afterwards was just blew my tiny little mind and then to go on and to be in the champions of cosplay competition in orlando uh the, the following year i mean those are as a star wars fan as someone you know wanting to take an active role 
in the hobby, it doesn't get much better. It's celebration that affords me the opportunity to do these these daft things. I love it. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant memories. All right, once again, we are still in the best likeness category, and we have Craig Spivey as Luke Skywalker. Craig has sported his fine beard for a number of years, but it was only following the release of The Force Awakens that family, friends, and complete strangers began to point out his resemblance to a mature Luke Skywalker. So with only a few screen grabs as reference, he set about creating the costume along with the local Irish seamstress who was more used to creating genuine priest robes. Everything, bar, the boots, were built from scratch. Though the fabric for the cloak was particularly hard to source, the belt was made by a saddler and a robotic hand constructed from rubber, a rubber safety glove. Cosplaying as old Luke especially appeals to Craig, as all he has to do is stand and look vaguely sad and wistful. But, the new movies are set to change all that. <laughs> Craig Spivey as Luke Skywalker. Jez, can you rival seven? <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. I have five. So, uh, yeah, my first being Essen in Germany. And what an absolutely amazing time that was. That whole phrase, you'll never forget your first love. That, for me, was possibly the best. I don't know. I've got such great memories of each one. But I had never experienced anything like it. Just walking in with friends and just, you know, seeing the huge attack, seeing just all people there, group think, everyone with the same sort of mindset and, you know, going into their own little sort of swim lanes, but everyone loving Star Wars. And then just, you know, being in a bar that night and just drunkenly chatting to one of the Ewoks and then just getting hammered with Danny Logan and with Grant, you know, and just waking up in a mess, but then just going to a panel and just wandering in and just having your mind blown. It was just amazing. It was just so exhilarating meeting Mark Hamill. I mean, can you imagine, you know, your, your first <laughs> your first celebration and they're just thinking, oh my God, I'm going to meet Mark Hamill, you know, my childhood hero, my adult hero, and going to meet him, get his autograph, shaking his hand. I mean, what an experience, just came back utterly sort of overwhelmed, exhilarated, and I knew I had to go back for more, and so did my wife. <laughs> That's why it's just like, yep, off you go. Um, it's just, yeah, brilliant, so good. How about you, Stu? I've only done two. I did London in 2016 and then Chicago in 2019. Um, I'm a bit like Mark at one point, a bit like, oh, spending money on that. It's, it's got a little bit easier for me to be able to now say oh, I'm going to here. But um, I know it won't be long before if I say I'm going to America that my, uh, my wife will be like, well, your son's at an age now where he's <laughs> would like to tag along. So uh, I'm waiting for that one to be uh, planted on me. But no, it's, it's absolutely a consideration. It is. Uh, yeah, it's a big factor in these these big trips, you know. And I don't mind him coming as long as he can keep up with the drinking. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to you lot, he's quite well practised. Uh, <laughs> I mean, London was was outstanding. But then walking into Chicago, just the, the scale of it, even compared to the European one, you're just like, whoa. Hello there, Star Wars Celebration! 
We are back. Right. Let's move on to the event this year. Craig, you've just said, been to a total of seven celebrations over 15 years. There was a lot of people that I know normally go from the UK. Not many of them went. I think one or two. I think everyone was a little bit unsure about the travelling, the COVID restrictions, what was in place. Was it going to be, you know, you you were going to be cancelled last minute, post-pandemic. How did this one compare? What were the notable changes, mate? Yeah, I think you know, going into it, there was a, there was a sense that it might not be quite the show it had been in pre-pandemic years, and I think that when you looked at some of the guest and the panel announcements that that were starting to to drip through quite late in the day, to be fair, not much of it felt like a, a must see, um, apart from maybe when they announced that you know you mcgregor was going to be there signing and doing photo ops that was i think that got people sitting up and taking notice i think the covid restrictions while are much milder than than events have been over the last year or so it did complicate entry requirements masking mandates all that stuff was all up front in in the advanced communications from the event and you know factor foreign travel into that it, it makes it a whole lot more complicated and uncertainty about things being cancelled variants springing up and upsetting the apple cart and and changing plans at the last minute so i can totally see why people might have skipped this one the reality i mean the covid measures at the event were pretty straightforward you just had to show a proof of vaccination you got a wristband that lasted as long as you were there masking was uh, mandatory indoors i'd say about 80 90 percent of people were wearing masks indoors on the event on the thursday but you could see how that tailed off as the event progressed through to the sunday and i think that you know the lack of enforcement upset a lot of people a lot of people very conscious of being in an environment like that again and you you, there's an element of trust that that's going to be well run and and well monitored And and i did see things online that uh, you know, people were getting quite upset that even people on manning the doors were, were were slipping in that regard. So it was a factor. It was there. It's in all the photographs. It'll be in all the footage. It was a post-COVID event. People were wearing masks. But the show, you know, despite what I said about attendance, it never felt empty. Though it never felt super overcrowded either. It felt like there was space to breathe. It's a it's a big venue. You know, Thursday and Sunday were obviously quieter than the than, than the, uh, the Friday and the Saturday. So I think other than the masks, you might not have noticed. I think for me, the most noticeable thing in terms of the feel of the event was just maybe like the build of some of the booths on the show floor. I think where brands typically would push the boat out in years gone by with some big attention grabbing uh, stands and, 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 and booths. There's a lot of generic looking shelving and cabinets and fabric banners and, and, and stuff that, that was perhaps an indicator that post-COVID budgets were reining things in a little bit in that regard. Didn't feel quite, didn't quite have some of the pizzazz and the, the awe and the spectacle. I mean, Hasbro and Lego, you know, always make a good account of themselves. But that was that, that was a sense I got going into it. It's, but it's, you know, that's a nitpick. I think when you're in the thick of it, it was as popping and as and as vibey as it always is. I think with it being the first one back, you just got to jump in, haven't you? Just go with whatever the restrictions are. Just what you make it. I think location-wise, Craig, Anaheim, when I saw all your videos and everything of, of outside and that little sort of strip of vendors and, and food halls and there would have been a DJ thing going on, 
that was probably the best place it could have been for this first post-pandemic celebration because that area that sort of location people gravitated towards outside and afterwards I felt when I was there in 2015 Uh, so if you had that whereas I've been to other celebrations where outside the event people then sort of drift off and go to various different places where Anaheim seems like it's a celebration inside and out yeah and it's very airy like I say there's lots of space I never felt hemmed in or particularly breathed on (laughs) it's uh it was the venue did work I mentioned at the beginning the cosplaying and I can remember seeing on the build-up that people weren't going to be allowed to wear masks. I mean, the mask characters in the cosplay, oh, right, yeah, yeah, helmets type of thing. Yeah, so that piece of communication, because I, I saw that, and what that was was perhaps taken a little bit out of context in so much as what they were saying was that to stick a Ben Cooper Darth Vader mask on your face does not constitute wearing the proper protective uh, face covering to prevent the spread of COVID. So it wasn't actually saying, no, you can't rock up as a stormtrooper it was part of the wider communications about what masks were and weren't acceptable right okay you get me so people who had their faces on show would wear masks you'd see them get stopped for a photo and they'd take the masks off um, and put them back on and then and as jess says a lot of the activity a lot of the, the photographs were outside in that that concourse area by the fountain so you know when you saw people walking around with these beautiful costumes it was a compromise slightly by the inclusion of a mask but i think that's just where the world is right now and i don't think it kind of spoiled people's enjoyment too much as long as they got their photo looking um, the best they could i think that was probably okay look Help me take this mask off. But you'll die. Nothing can stop that now. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. Anyone who has been to Celebration will know that there is so much going on. We've mentioned a bit of it here. It is impossible to be able to see and do everything. So to give the show a bit of structure, we're going to narrow it down to a few areas that relate back to some of the things we cover here at Generation Skywalker, which is basically everything because we are all eras, all passions, all Star Wars. <laughs> so, <laughs> so roundabout way, this is everything. Right. So contemporary Star Wars. Let's start here. We like to discuss the latest Star Wars output from Disney. Uh, Show 66 is a prime example of this. That was an in-depth review of the Book of Boba Fett. And we will definitely be following up with one for the Kenobi show. A Star Wars celebration is always a platform to announce and showcase what Lucasfilm are up to. This time the panels were Lucasfilm's studio showcase, Light and Magic, Mando, and a conversation with Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. And, of course, Attack of the Clones, 20th anniversary celebration, one of the greatest easy top six films in the Star Wars franchise. So, Craig, what did you get into? What went down? What did you see? What did you love? And what do you wish you had made? Yeah, well, I mean, a little bit of context, I think, for people who who haven't been to one of these events or know it from from past events, that the live panels are very hard to get into. In the past, they've had a system where they would... um, 
not actively encouraged, but it seems to be the accepted practice. If you wanted to get first in line for one of these events, you would sleep overnight in the hall, which clearly was not sustainable as a as a system for for fee paying guests to have a good experience. So so they they have these panels and and you are invited to enter a lottery and you get what the computer spits out saying you you can attend so obviously when these things come through you you apply to go to everything i entered everything i could and then a couple of days before um, the actual event i got an email saying that one of our party of four had got into the uh, mando plus panel in the twin sons stage which is a side stage it's a big room but it's just it's a screening room so that was for the saturday um so you know, of everything, I'd got one ticket. It wasn't until like the Friday that I saw that the other three tickets and one for the Lucasfilm showcase was actually in my junk mail. So it was bizarre that one got through, but the other four hadn't. So I missed out on the Lucasfilm showcase, which was the opening panel on the Thursday. And it included all the kind of live projects. So I think there was some stuff about Willow in there. They had a um, little showcase of Indiana Jones 5. Harrison Ford rocked up. I think uh, um, John Williams played the, the tune with an orchestra. There was some advanced footage of Andor. Um, everyone in attendance to that panel was invited to the Obi-Wan screening, um, which I think was that night. And there was also some some Mando season three footage. So, you know, that opening panel on those opening days are always the big one. They're always the one that everyone reports back on. They they hit the news. Um, they're where the trailers drop. So it would have been nice to have not had that in my junk mail. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, you catch up later. I mean, this stuff is shared in abundance and you can you can catch up on a percentage of the live streams afterwards back at the back at the hotel. Um but we did all get to go into the what they build as Mando Plus. This this interview with um, uh, Favreau and Filoni in this Twin Suns room, and you know I have to say they do a really good job at creating an atmosphere in there. There's a sort of an expectation that you're going to rock up and and you know just watch this stuff on a screen. But you know that the organisers are very good at just whipping the crowd into a bit of a, a fever. There's giveaways, there's competitions, there's, there's stuff happening. There, there are presenters live in the room who are just sort of building up that moment until they they kind of click into the live stream and, and start streaming from the from the from the big theatre. Um, so that was that was great. You know, it was a great panel. Obviously, it kicked off with uh, uh, with with Favreau and Filoni, and they slowly introduced guests from uh, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, um, and they brought on Sabine Wren lady who's going to be playing Sabine Wren in Ahsoka so you know to be in that room you're getting to see not only some um, extended footage from the Mandalorian season three which had already been shown on Thursday but they showed some scenes from the new Ahsoka show so just magic to be there and see stuff as it happens Uh, as a collective experience they're always always really nice did anyone sort of catch up on the live streams with people watching along at home? I saw a little bit. I saw the, I think it was day one. I saw the day one Star Wars show when they upload it. And I thought it was really surprising because the first couple of segments which they had were about Willow. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, huh? <laughs> Where is this severe lack of content that you're really pushing Willow? That's certainly got to be a day three push. It's a Star Wars celebration. I, di- I didn't get it. And then they started, you know, talking a little bit about Star Wars stuff. 
Um, I haven't got around to watching them yet. I do love the panels, though. I really missed the meeting where we decided we wanted Willow uh, sequel. Um, <laughs> were you lads involved in that one? Because I, I completely <laughs> missed that one. No one asked me, mate. <laughs> I'm with you, Mark. I really am. When I went to Essen, there were no queues. You didn't have to queue into it to get into any panel you just wandered into the, it was like oh carrie fisher's doing a panel in 10 minutes she'll go and have a little look and you'd go and get a seat it was brilliant that was the first one disney had got involved with and that was one where they announced rebels so i remember kathleen kennedy coming out and talking and they started talking about the uh, sequel trilogy and they brought out john williams not physically they brought out a, a, a a film clip with John on because that was her big reveal that they had secured John Williams and everyone went mad but I just remember there, there were no cues it was so chilled it was so laid back we just went from panel to panel and it was only then when we got to Anaheim in 2015 because of the episode 7 trailer drop and, and all that that's when sort of turbo craziness kicked off for panels yeah, I, I remember Essen very fondly for that reason. It just, I don't know, it was the perfect storm. It was just, just before it got silly, yeah. beginning to be exciting. It was, it was Star Wars with a German flavour. It really does stand out that that event, Essen. Are you going to any Twitter questions? Okay, this is having you tattooed on my arm in the morning. Bit scared. Will you come and hold my hand? Yes, you can. Yes, I will. I'll come and hold your hand. So the other thing, and this this wasn't announced in advance, but was born out of these panels and this access to the Filoni and uh, and Favreau kind of brain trust, was this announcement of the Mandalorian experience. So that was announced on the on the first day that they were going to have this exhibit that you, everyone could visit as part of the show. We took as many props and sets and costumes and vehicles and miniatures and loaded them up on trucks and brought them all down to Anaheim. And I'm here to announce a surprise installation that we did. I'm here to announce something called the Mandalorian Experience. I got to go through the archives and be up close to all of the screen used props from the movies that I've loved. And so we wanted to make this experience available for you. So. This is a big thank you from all of us to all of you. And I have to say, absolute highlight of the of the four days. I mean, they've done this before. We had a small Force Awakens exhibition in Anaheim in uh, in 2015, and they had a few Rogue One bits in cabinets um, in 2016. But this was this was next level. It was it was over to one side of the convention hall and was like a pretty comprehensive look at all of the. Uh, material that went into the filming of the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett and it, it wasn't just things in cabinets they were proper set dressed scenes scenarios you had the Tuscans over in a corner on sand with a backdrop it was, it was all beautifully beautifully presented there was a full-sized Naboo Starfighter in there with an animatronic Grogu there's an animatronic banther that you could stand in front of and get your photograph taken. And it wasn't just costumes. It was props. It was miniatures. It was just outstanding as a treat to the fans that have paid the money and travel and gone to this event. It was just 
perfect it was so nice to see really really good quality stuff nicely presented i mean long waits for sure you know this this was sprung on people people were 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 queuing several hours to get in but we went down on the early on the sunday morning and we we got in less than an hour so i think you know if you time these things right the rewards are just are just worth it really really great exhibition did, did you see this online did you see any footage of this seen lots of photos of it it looks amazing and everyone i saw online it was the one thing that seemed to be getting really heavily praised yeah and i think maybe because it was a surprise you know it wasn't something that people had an expectation of it was just it just appeared but there was you know stuff in there that you know as fans we want to know we want to know how cad bane's face worked right and, and there it was the inner cabinet exploded you could sort of get right close to it they were happy for you to film everyone was walking around taking photographs getting as close as they wanted to people were manning the ex- exhibition so they had the scale model of because like the entrance to Jabba's palace and there's a guy there just explaining well this was the model and we, they you know the, the guys built this and then we we scanned it in and we put it in the volume you know you go to some exhibitions and there's just grumpy people sat on chairs going right no photographs oh, go stand back from the rope this this was like they wanted you to get up close to it they wanted you to explore they wanted you to enjoy and, and show off the work and the love that had gone into those programs i i was blown away by it. it's brilliant well love all of that mate I, i'm still going through the live streams i watched a couple but yeah just time i don't know where time's gone recently but definitely still on the agenda to do yeah and and obviously part of putting this show together i've got some footage i took so as we've been speaking about this if you've been watching the enhanced version you'll have been seeing some of this stuff so uh, it's, it's nice to have this platform to to share it with people this is where the fun begins yeah! we heard crowd go crazy so we ran i have never run somewhere so fast in my over the last years, it sort of felt the warmth for the films that we made, and uh, it's meant a lot to us. It's meant a lot to me personally to feel that. To see them happy makes the fans happy who grew up watching the prequels. There are just so many cool things to do and so many cool panels to see. I wish I could clone myself so I could go to all of them. I'm cutting back on electricity. My daughter Bryce has been working on Mandalorian and others. Well, that makes me a proud dad, I'll tell you. <laughs> There's so many artists here, the stage pieces. Books, video games, comics, every single Taiwan I was getting is at Star Wars Celebration, it's all here. I'm looking for someone. Looking? Found someone you have, I would say. <laughs> every collecting hobby has that, you know, it's an overused term, but that holy grail of collecting. And the rocket firing Boba Fett, it's like, it's a baseball card collecting, the Hannes Wagner T206 card. Every collecting genre has one of those. And you got a panel here of the experts in the world that will tell you about it from very different perspectives. Right then, so moving on to the next section, it's vintage, something that we're all very passionate about. And obviously our vintage show is those old fossils. Star Wars Celebration, traditionally a hotbed for amazing items. How was the vintage hobby represented this time around, Craig? It's a good question. I mean, obviously for me, scoping the vintage on the show floor is always a day one priority. But, you know, I have to say, in all honesty, there was probably more vintage Star Wars at Echo Live last April in Redditch. You know, and I think there might be reasons for that. I mean, it's clearly drying up. 
we're getting further and further out from when this stuff was widely available. You know, what was there was a bit battered, probably diluted by 25 years of modern toys that are surrounding it. So you'd, you'd go onto the show floor and the, the the vintage stores were sort of scattered around a little bit. It wasn't particularly zoned. They were sort of around the edges. But you could, you know, bounce onto them and browse them. But you'd often see, you know, they'd be like a bashed boxed Y-Wing in a case, a glass case next to some micro machine play sets. It was all just you could sort of see this stuff becoming more smushed together. Um, and, you know, that, that that said, it was quite nice to browse stores full of like treasure from the 90s. You know, there's a there's a nostalgia in that in itself. But you know, if you compare it to something like Echo, which uh, a, a lot of us and, and this is be, be very familiar with, it's wall to wall vintage, whereas this absolutely um, wasn't. And, and what was there was expensive as well. And it makes me wonder if shows like Echo and the ICCC and auction houses like Hakes are maybe diverting some of those top end items away from something that's a bit more mainstream like Celebration, because Celebration is a it is for everyone. It's not a vintage toy show. And if you think about how that works for, for a dealer, they're going to have the responsibility of handling their stuff, looking after this high end stock in this big environment for a big percentage of the audience to walk past and go, how much? I had one of those when I was a kid, you know. So maybe that is a consideration. Maybe that's why there wasn't as much as maybe there's been in in previous years. I don't know what anyone else thinks to that as a as a working theory. Wasn't there um, the ICCC as well recently? And you may have found that there were a lot of dealers went to that possibly because it was cheaper for them. I don't know that originated in vintage collecting didn't it so maybe that's uh that's one of the reasons yeah i, th- I think it's i think it's definitely a definitely a shift compared compared to what what's been on the show floor in, in previous years it was there's a lot a lot less and, and what was there wasn't as good quality but of course some amazing stuff turned up in the room sales which which i'll talk about in uh in a little bit but on, on the show floor you know todd chamberlain's there always lovely to catch up with him uh, I bought a few little bits and pieces. I think some of his stock is probably still priced up from 2019's Chicago show. So uh, represented uh, quite good, uh, quite good value. You know, bizarrely, my biggest purchase from the from the dealers on the show floor was a full set of large size Mego black hole figures, because that's Disney's other popular space film, isn't it? They were they were face down in a on a shelf, and. Um, I've got a couple of them at home. I just, I just, out of curiosity, asked how much they were, and he said, "Oh, three hundred dollars." I thought, well, "I don't, I don't need them at three hundred dollars a pop." And I just said, "What, well, what characters have you got?" And he got them out. Mm, three hundred dollars. Yeah, that's a bit. Much. He went for all of them. So, ah, okay. And then suddenly, like all these heads, could feel all these heads behind me sort of turn um, and, and look at these, which, um, which were pristine. They were absolutely pristine. So for fifty bucks a piece, I took them. There is an inexorable force in the cosmos where time and space converge. A place beyond man's vision, but not his reach. Madman is headed straight for the black hole. What'll we do? We wait. A journey that begins where everything ends. So that was that was my big purchase from the from the stores on the 
on the, on the show floor itself. I think, you know, the vintage hobby was also represented by our friend Ross Barr at uh, Collectors Archive Services, who, you know, we did have a good catch up on the mic. Um, Lord knows what happened to that recording when I went back to find him. <laughs> so sorry to Ross. Um, but we did have a good catch up and he, and he did talk me through their, uh, their new bubble protector, which they've created to secure bubbles to graded action figures. And uh, it was nice to see those in the flesh. I think they are pretty good products. So again, I've got some footage of this and you can have a look on the enhanced to, to see how these, how these, how these work. But you know, effectively, they are a single piece of uh, clear plastic that sits snugly over the uh, bubble itself. So therefore, there's there's no movement of the of the bubble, and it offers that extra layer of protection. So if if figures are kind of moving around inside the bubble, it's not gonna it's not gonna break through because it's actually sort of touching it. So um, you know, he his anecdotal evidence of of its popularity. He was he was telling me he's like you know people sign up for this thing, um, and they write by going, well, I thought you were gonna put the bubble protector in. You know, why haven't you done it? And it and it's there. It's so it's so clean and clear that it's it really doesn't detract from um, from your graded piece so you know i think quite a development uh, in that regard so it's not just about grading it becomes a little bit more about protection these people that were saying where is it where is it are they like do you remember like the um people with ailments in the old traveling medicine show <laughs> there's a man that can't walk and like they rub a bit of their spray on and suddenly they're dancing around he wasn't was was, were they was, placed <laughs> he wasn't in the crowd it was, <laughs> it was just it was just something that Ross was telling me that, that people expected it to be far more visible than it was. So I guess that that tells a little bit of the story. But um, but yeah, you know, nice to see that stuff out there, you know, next to you know, lounge fly and people representing the, the vintage side of the hobby uh, at a high level, uh, which is great. Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing to talk about is the room sales. So for anybody who's not familiar with the room sales, I think the, the room sales started in the early days of this uh, this event physically in rooms, physically in people's hotel rooms and with actual product on beds. And, you know, that wasn't um, containable for, for very long. And they, it, they became events where independent dealers, people who brought stuff along to trade and sell, would take over an area in a hotel. We've mentioned Essen tonight. I mean, the one in Essen was so memorable um, that these things are technically unofficial the hotels sort of suddenly have a situation on their hand where they're going to go okay well all these sort of guys have turned up and they're buying drinks at the bar so shall we let it roll essen was, was notable for this little collecting community taking over a room and the hotel management deciding the best way to get rid of them was to smoke them out by turning the air conditioning off and turning the heating up you remember that jez <laughs> i sure do yeah, I think another has followed that tactic as well. That's I, I remember going to another one where it was stifling. But yeah, <laughs> they're a real fun, unique aspect of celebration. And the room sales tend to take place on the Friday night, and they were rumoured to be upstairs above the bar in the Hilton where they'd been in in the previous years. And I was with my good friend Darren Goodwin, and we sort of went down just to scope out what was going on, see what see what was happening um but the escalators were were closed to the to the upstairs area and we weren't guests in the hotel so we had to catch a lift um the elevator with a with a paying guest and 
we we got up there and you could see things were starting to happen it was mainly so the the guys in their early doors were all like mexican dealers or appear to be from from that part of uh of, of south america selling things i don't really understand i must have seen about three 12 inch lily lady hand solos um but it's it's it was fun just sort of just hang back and watch this stuff start to start to get unpacked and darren bought some bits of lego and we just found this corner to sit and chill in and then this security guard got turned the corner <laughs> we sort of watched him to the clock what was going on and he was like a little bit like oh, wasn't quite sure what to do and he disappeared off with came back with another one and they all started to to, to congregate until eventually like a boss one in a in an anorak turned up with a badge on like the hotel police and they started to move them on oh this is this is kind of interesting you know so so they start to to walk around this this sort of empty communal area and people would slowly pack up and then they'd walk past and they slowly start to unpack <laughs> there's a little bit of resistance um but ultimately they were moved on and it was it was interesting it was interesting to be sort of suddenly part of this movement it was like trying to find a rave off the m25 in uh, in 1989 it was sort of like people on their mobile phones going we're moving to the marriott um people were messaging around there was obviously this moment where chris George goodies came down and almost like blessed the new venue <laughs> sort of gave it his nod and floated back out again um, <laughs> Excellent. So, <laughs> it was just quite fun to, to be on the ground and, and, and see the room sales sort of start and then fail and then start up again you know there were some mutterings that people had maybe tried to set up too early and they'd have been fine if they'd have been if they'd waited but ultimately it all went ahead there was the usual amount of bewildering prototype stuff um boxes full of c3po white metal arms from i don't know uh, the micro collection or, or what they were but whole load of stuff i think there was a mold for a boba fett um like the, the metal mold I think that was had twelve thousand pounds scribbled on a post-it note. Uh, it's just, it's just crazy. There was a, a full set of boxed twelve-inch, all beautiful in acrylic, that uh, that I was looking at with 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 our friend Peter Lee. We were um, eyeing up this IG88 that was um, uh, two thousand five hundred dollars, and and everything else was was priced down from there. But you know, the room sales are an incredible place to see stuff you don't see. I mean, there was a there's a nice, is it the Puffs tissues, uh, the tissues from the States, there's a, a store display. I bought, and I know we've talked about these on the show before, the Women's Day magazines. So the Women's Day magazines were you know, like a Women's Realm, Women's Weekly type publication. And uh, I bought the the magazine that had the Hoth base and the Dagger play set. So they would create these things, Blue Peter style, um, and print the instructions on how families could could make their own play sets at home so the, there was a magazine with those two in and then there was also the um the death star space station star one which was sort of notorious for having photographs of like lots of vinyl cape jowers running around they're the kind of items that i would never encounter in the uk so to find them on a hotel carpet in la was was pretty cool so i i got those from uh jonathan McElwain who was selling those but one of the one of the best things I found was the 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 Fascal stickers that um, so the the bootleg looking vintage stickers of which there was a, a Star Wars range you know not unique to the UK obviously lots of countries as well but there was a there was a guy selling a whole stack of those including the uh, 
the Star Wars logo one that everybody wants. So I picked up all of them, <laughs> all three of them, of which Mark's got one. I have, and I love it. It's, in fact, it's the only one I've got. Is it? Well, it's the one to have. It's the logo. Well, I was going to say, if you're going to have one, have that one. I think for me, the room sales, having known people go to uh, previous celebrations before I went to the one in 2016 and seeing these things unfold and getting messages from people and, and photographs via social media. Have you seen this? This is for sale and blah, blah, blah. And it was almost a bit like farthest from in terms of uh, it, you dream up this kind of vision of what this event must be. Uh, the room sales, like magical sort of uh, area in a hotel that just kind of spring up and people just unload suitcases full of carded figures and really rare stuff and, you know, people exchanging money and uh, really cool vintage stuff. Uh, and when I got to the 2016 one, it, you know, when you hear about things, you, you dream these things up in your, in your mind and you always think you're going to be let down. It's, it's never going to be as good as what's in your head. It was it was better. It was one of those rare experiences where the actuality of it was was much better than you could have imagined. And uh, the one at, uh, I don't know if, whether you lads can remember the one at um, uh, London in 2016. It's just some of the stuff that was being displayed. It, it, everybody, it was like a car boot sale it, inside a hotel. It, it was just magical. And it was it happened so sort of organically as well. It was, you know, whispers, what time, what time is it going to start? Where's it going to be? And people were going around and like Craig said, it was, it was like going to a rave in the late eighties. It was, um, you know, coordinated really sort of Chinese whispers like, and um, I remember going up uh, the stairs to the, to the event thinking, God, what, what's this going to be like? And getting up there, and it, it was just, there was people everywhere. It was, it was immense. And then sitting in the bar afterwards, having, you know, everybody sat around a table going through the purchases. It just magical. To me, that is one of the best parts of celebration. It isn't necessarily the huge displays that are put on. I mean, that's great. And the talks, that's great. It's the fan organized elements of celebration. It's the people that create these things for the for the fans. I, I, for me, having been to just one, that was the thing that really shone. It wasn't the big things that, you know, in the hall that were advertised, like the huge tie fighter and stuff like that. It was the, it was the little things, all of those elements. Um, and, and that will be one of the best things I, I remember about Celebration in London. And I'm, I'm, I hope and I pray we get to do that next year. It is open. It was so hot in that London one, wasn't it? Absolutely sweltering. That sticks in my mind. <laughs> it does. It does amuse me. I mean, these people lay out these, um, you know, priceless prototypes and, and pre-production items. And there's people just stomping past with their, in their trainers, sweating on them. Yeah. It's just, it is a completely unique experience. It really is. Obviously, the other, you know, strong vintage element that appears at these shows is, is through the collecting track. And, you know, the collecting track has been a mainstay. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying from, from day one. It was up on the third floor. And, you know, to my eternal shame, wasn't something I managed to get to until the Sunday. So this year, the Rancho Obi-Wan display, which is always, always features... Um, in the past has been down in the main hall this time they put the Rancho Obi-Wan display connected to the 
collecting track, which is a which was a brilliant move because it just created this this richer zone, created more traffic. There was a real flow and an energy to it. So I think that was a, a bit of a, a masterstroke. And it was nicely themed. It was all around Mandalorians through the ages, right through from the concept of Boba Fett right through the, the current show. So it wasn't a strictly vintage showcase. Um, it, it ran through all the eras and it was all the better for that. But it was great to see, you know, three rocket firing fets in a row uh, and all those really special items that have been put together through not just Rancho Obi-Wan's collections, but I know, some of Gus's stuff was in there uh, and some other people. Really well thought out nicely displayed and as you walked around it led straight into the collector's lounge and there was lots of people hanging out a little bit of structure to that to that area as well so i know that they were having uh scheduled video watch parties there were signings they were organized enough to be producing a little printed handbill every day which i thought was a really nice touch what i did experience of that area was was great i took in one of the collecting track panels which was party like a star wars collector uh, which was hosted by josh mingle daryl whitlow James Gibbons and Amy Soberg. And, you know, I was interested in that one because I was keen to see what beers they were going to be talking about. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about um, beers in a minute. But how, you know, look at how they, they would tackle a topic that, that we've already covered on a, on a previous show and, and, and compare notes. So, again, every time these events happen, there's an, an upswing in quality. These are now coming available online. You can you can go and watch these panels and just just the difference between the editing, the production values of, from from this one to Chicago is, is is in evidence. So they're doing a great job up there. The giveaways this year again were Star Tots. They've done Force Awakens Star Tots. Um, you know, if I get one given to me, I will keep it. I'll put it in my little memory box of Star Wars celebrations. But I was very keen to get one of the old Luke Star Tots uh, from from this range, which which Jason Smith did pick up for me so i'd just like to thank jason for that we're going to talk a bit more about the collecting track though aren't we jez yeah i really really hope to it's something which i'm looking at doing at the moment the collecting track for those people who weren't able to make it they do a great job of producing them getting them ready to upload on youtube so i am going to be saying to certain people of generation skywalker right let's have a little watch but also we're going to be sort of guided through the collecting track panels by someone at least one person who was one of the panelists out there but more to come on that so uh, yeah we're gonna have a dedicated show to the collecting track and hopefully a few tips and ideas as to um maybe what people can do with regards to securing their own collecting track panel for star wars celebration europe four This is it, everyone. We're here to have some fun! Strapping, baby. No stormtroopers, no TIE fighters, no threat of annihilation. Best vacation ever! Summer's about to end, and we're all about to go our separate ways. It's a vacation. Relax. Hello there. Who are you? Obi-Wan Kenobi. What is in this? We are on holiday. It's not that kind of holiday. So far. Rubbity, rubbity. And don't forget my shoulders. They really burn. <sighs> One never knows how long a moment will last. You must learn to enjoy yourself. What do you know about vacations? Go, Jabba. Go, Jabba. 
And of course, we're not just about vintage here on Generation Skywalker. Anyone who listens know we are big fans of modern collectibles. And all our favourites were there. Of course, they would be. I've got to have to say again, Craig, what, what was there? Any exclusives? I mean, they seem to be a little bit low on the ground from what I saw. And uh, more importantly, what did you buy? Well, I, I think, you know, you've always got those those tentpole vendors like Hasbro, Lego, Sideshow, Hot Toys. Hasbro stands always a always a big deal. For me, it was nice to see a Razor Crest in the flesh out of the team. Um, you know, they they they're very good at showcasing the product, putting them in little cabinets and and propping them. So they really do show off what they do uh, very well. Also got to see the um, the Jabba's throne room that we've, we've talked about on the modern way. You can sort of see where the money is. It's quite a big piece. You see how involved it is. You know, the Hot Toys and the 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 sideshow cabinets are just that they always pull a crowd they're always just surrounded by by people so you know again seeing the things we talk about month in month out in the flesh propped as the people who are producing this product want them to be presented is just a thrill it's just really nice and you can you can uh, you can lose yourself in, in some of those displays I, I think out of all of that that the ahsoka and the mall statue that we that we covered just stunning it's just amazing to see that and walk around it at the scale it is but some some great great stuff um there's a, there was a really nice uh ray versus kylo statue which uh sheen was uh was, was sideshow but also you know the attack of the clones hot toys that um that came out recently so they're at the front of the main hall for a reason they they pull people in and they're, and they're, they're very popular i think lego are always a masterclass in booth design i mean they're very instagrammable there's photo ops they're obviously pushing their summer vacation film at the minute so you could um, you know have yourself photographed with lego darth vader playing volleyball but they're also great at the exclusives i mean the lego exclusives this year weren't great i think they were like the the brick heads they had a different sticker on them they weren't anything kind of particularly new but they've always got their products in the cases and they even had a little panel to one side and they were running Q&As with some of the Lego designers. So a really good stall that gets the balance of shifting stock but at the same time, providing a really nice experience for, for con goers. You know, alongside all that stuff, you've got smaller vendors, you know, whoever's picked up the license in the last year or so and they want to push their stuff. So you've got the usual random things like watches and luggage and body pillows and bouncy castles and terracotta Chewbacca's that you grow cress in and all that random stuff. Um, but obviously I made a beeline for the Geeky Tiki store because they had a lot of exclusives at Celebration this time, which for reasons I'm not sure, they'd split between three locations. So Geeky Tiki had their own store, which they were selling the G-Back Series 1 of the Cantina, Mini Muglets, the Arcade Mug, and the pre-order of the TIE Fighter. Um, Toink had Cantina Aliens Series 2. They had some of the Scenic Mugs and a few of the other recent releases, but you could only get the Bantha and the Rebo Band Muglets from the Celebration store. So if you wanted a clean sweep, that was quite a bit of work um, to to stand in all those lines and, and get to all those places but i did well by us all brought back those who wanted stuff bringing back um what what they were asking for so i did manage to pick a few bits i'd been hoping to get some time with their big kahuna brandon brandon geraldes but he just had a new baby so he wasn't uh he wasn't in attendance but um congratulations to him 
did speak to a few people connected to the brand about where they were at, what they were doing, and obviously the big questions around shipping to the UK, which I, I know had been something that had been raised with them a lot over the over the space of the weekend. Um, but watch this space because we do have some time put aside to talk to Geeky Tikis properly and get to ask them a little bit more about their process and what their plans are with Star Wars. So I'm really chuffed about that. So something else to look forward to. You'll be getting an invite to a virtual cocktail party. <laughs> oh, amazing. They have almost become our collective favourite brand, haven't they? Which none of us just saw coming. I remember seeing them at, I think it was at Chicago, and just thinking, oh, what if that? That's strange, as I picked up my sort of Star Wars barbecue tongs, <laughs> and I saw these things, and it passed me by. You know, fast forward a year, and I get myself and the Millennium Falcon <laughs> muglets shipped over from America like you did. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's... It's strange, isn't it, how, how things evolve and passions and, and tastes change and stuff. But when we all got together in Stu's back garden, <laughs> there was an overall dominance of Tiki theme. Yeah, super cool. I did get to spend a bit of time with one of my other favourite licences from the last couple of years, which is Theory 11. We produced those um, playing cards that I really like. Would you Would you like to hear a quick interview with some of the guys from Theory 11? Yes. Okay, let's play that clip now. So I'm here with uh, Kristen from Theory 11, who make the amazing Star Wars playing cards that I know we've talked about a couple of times in the past on the show. Um, so give us a quick rundown of the, the range that you do. Absolutely. We Our Star Wars decks are super cool. So we have light side and dark side decks. The originals came out in red and blue. But we also have a special edition for those of white and black, which is awesome. We just They look so clean and so smooth. But we also have a Mandalorian deck. And personally, I just think that is a stellar deck. The characters are great. The court cards are great. It's you. Ha it's a must-see. You have to see it. Yeah, I mean, a couple of us on the show are designers. We've got backgrounds in graphic design, illustration. Yeah. So you know, very much drawn to this kind yeah. of thing. I mean, the, the process of making them, I mean, what can you tell us about how that all works. Do you have any kind of insight on that? According to our research, this is done by, is it Matson Creative? They're the illustrators, they're the, the guys behind this. I mean, do you go to them with the brief and say, we want a set of cards, there's 52 of them. They've all got the same back, but for everything else, knock yourself out. Uh, a little bit, sure. That's that's more, yeah, there's more, uh, probably more executive decision going on behind that than, than just strictly that. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really collaborative process. We, we definitely like to um, kind of go back and forth to make sure we get the designs true to the true to the character, true to the series. You know, these these characters are beloved by everyone in, in you know the Star Wars fandom. So making sure that we work with the design teams that really adhere to that is important to us. And I think we captured that for sure. Sure, and they've got a very distinct style. And I know yes. that you know I've I, I've got some experience myself, and I know I've spoken to lots of people who've got experience working with Lucasfilm, yeah. just how strict they are yeah, and totally. how you have to adhere to some very tight parameters when it comes to representing their characters. But they seem to have given you a little bit of freedom to have some creativity with that and there's a little bit of wit in there mm -hmm. and there's some charm. Yeah. So they obviously like what you're doing. 
Yeah, no, we've been really lucky to to work with them and have them really accept a lot of our, our ideas. It's great because if you look at some of our decks, we have all these beautiful little hidden gems in yeah. there. Yeah. You can pretty much stare at the tuck cases and the back designs of these decks and forever and find new things. So it's been really awesome to be able to kind of build those into these decks. So take a, take a good hard look at the decks and you'll just be blown away by the detail on here. And it's, it's great. They love it. We've been able to submit these ideas and have them just really get on board so it's it's been a dream yeah I, d I think the advent of digital media you know, there was a lot of talk about print being dead that's it we don't need it anymore but you look at you look at this as it's essentially you know, there's a bit of foil on there but it's ink on paper they are beautiful objects oh thank you so much yeah i they're stunning we also have a gold edition star wars deck that's pre-order on our website right now it's coming out in july so okay so this is this the same design as the blue and the red and the silver and the uh, dark one is it's uh our gold edition deck is going to be a it's hybrid. Gonna, yeah, right? it's a hybrid, it's a hybrid of the dark and light side yep. with, with gold foil okay. uh, printed on the back of each card. So it's a. This is Chris Chelko, by the way. Pleasure to meet you. How are you? Mike from Generation Skywalker. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, wonderful. We talked about your, your cards on yeah. our show before. So it's just nice to, to meet the company, you know? Yes. Just make a bit of a connection. Yeah, we're not a faceless company at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and I think you know, something else that strikes me there's a lot of Star Wars merchandise out there. There's a lot of very expensive yeah. Star Wars merchandise. This is really affordable. I mean, Absolutely. it's beautiful stuff, but it's like, you know, over in the UK, it's, it's less than 10 pounds a pack. Right. Yeah, no, they make great gifts. I, I love that. And they're, they're, the cool thing about cards, unlike some other gifts, is they bring people together. You can play games, you can do all sorts of stuff. They're fun items, but they're also so beautiful, you can just display them. Sure. Yeah, you it's know, wall they, art, technically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, every little card is a piece of art. Yeah. yeah. Uh, including the back and the jokers and the advertising card. I mean, everything about it is, for us, uh, uh, created from scratch. I mean, yeah. so, yeah, it is. For 10 bucks and it fits in your pocket, you can... And the things the things you can do with the deck of cards are endless. Well, this is yep. it. This is I've got I've got you know a set that are all sealed and they sit yes. on the shelf. Yes. And I've got a set that are open and yep. you know should there be a power cut? Yep, exactly. <laughs> you know, right. And I yep. know where they are. Exactly. Okay, that's amazing. So I've got one question. One more question, yeah. which you know you can um and ah about and dodge if you like. But <laughs> what's next with the Star Wars uh, cards? Mm. Mm, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, because because they keep coming out with the new shows, yep. Obi Wan. I mean everything. Exactly. So it really is pretty endless. Uh, so this is this is the start to our Star Wars and Mandalorian series. I think there's gonna be plenty more on the horizon. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to say, really. But right now the gold the gold edition is it's also new technology for us. Okay. Uh, printing foil on the back of every playing card yep. is sort of new in the playing card world, and we're happy to be doing it. So I think it's gonna shine just like C three PO, and you know it's gonna pop. <laughs> It's yeah. going to be great. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thank we'll you so sure much. This, this gets included in our roundup. How are we doing? That wonderful. Would be wonderful. Yeah. Really, we would love it. Thank you, thank you so much. It. Pleasure to meet you. Cheers. Awesome. Thanks for coming out. So that was Kristen and Chris from Theory 11 um, talking about their Star Wars playing cards, which are lovely. Hello, old friend. Here we are again at the Celebration Store. I love this. We come here every celebration to show off some of the unique exclusives that they have for everybody who attends the convention. Starting right here at Dexter's Diner. It's the 20th anniversary of Dexter Jetster. I know you've been waiting for this for a very long time. 20 years. Yeah, I know. We're gonna look around at some other stuff, but make sure they know that I want this. <laughs> Anthony, I've always wanted to learn the secrets of the Force like a Jedi. Andy, you're in so much luck. 
because this is the official, unofficial force training kit where you can learn the secrets of the force like a Jedi. Everything you need is in this kit. You get a rock, a second rock. All you gotta do is lift them with your mind. Oh, that one moved. Well, I'm really excited to see Frog Lady here. She's got her cute little tank of eggs. This is one of my favorite episodes. Full, so. One of my favorite bits from so the show. Good. One of my other favorite things was to see this guy. Oh, yeah. To see Kersant and make it big in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of Aunt Beru's dark roast stuff this year. Mm. Right? Am I right? Uh, but this is great. It's on mugs, it's on shirts, it's on a patch. And um, I love a little bit of dark humor. I guess this fits with the with with the modern theme. We need to talk about the celebration store. Always much hyped, much hyped products from the celebration store. They're the things everybody wants that weekend, but they never seem to retain any value or <laughs> or have any credibility on the secondary market. But celebration store, obviously a big deal. Managing the lines into that must be a nightmare for them. They have a, a light speed lane style system that you have to get on at 8, 8.30 in the morning. Generally, every time I tried to use it, it timed out. So by the time we got to the store on the Sunday, it was slim pickings. Um, and that has been my experience of the Celebration Store a couple of times. So, you know, by about lunchtime on the Sunday, there's only you know, the things that were never really going to sell uh, left. I struggled to pick up a program. I, I like to pick up a program every, every time I go to Celebration. But they had to rummage around behind the counters and, and find me one. So highlights from the Celebration Store. I mean, I think we discussed these a little bit in in the um, in the Attack of the Clones wrap up show when we talked about some specific Attack of the Clones pieces like the Zen Garden, the Sand Garden, and um, the Sand Repellent Anakin beach towel. So you know, they, there's always some fun stuff. It's sort of like it's the swag that people can do when they've got Lucasfilm's budget. The fun little novelty items. Whole load of T-shirts, whole load of patches, magnets, all the sort of souvenir stuff that um, that you would expect to see. Did we buy anything? I think we bought a Dex's Diner patch with the little Wah Seven robot on it, and uh, and and the Bantha, the Bantha mug, which Kimberly just, I was surprised. She just saw it and went, "Nah, guys, it's got to come home with us." So we, we've we've got the Bantha punch bowl as well. Was there anything in the, the Celebration Store that you guys saw that caught your eye or any past Celebration Store purchases worthy of note? I still wear my X-Wing T-shirt, my London X-Wing T-shirt with pride, which I think was a great design. They're, they're some very, very clever designs, some designs which I think, you know, Mark would be particularly proud of as well, you know, because Mark is just our designer extraordinaire when it comes to that sort of stuff. Um, there's just so much. Mate, if I had known that you had had, say, a spare suitcase, I would have given you a whole shopping list. But I really didn't want us collectively all to take the mick, and I wanted you to enjoy it as much as yourself. But, yeah, if I had known you'd be able to bring back all sorts of stuff, I would have given you a huge list. The little plush frog lady from uh, The Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were quite a few of those left, to be fair. You know, that's a pretty good account of what modern stuff I saw while I was out there. I mean, obviously, there's a huge amount of stuff, popular things like Loungefly and Funko Pops, obviously very popular. People mobbing their stand and, and, and getting tickets to stand in line to get the exclusive Funko. So all that stuff's going on. This is my account skewed to the things that we like to talk about. 
The social aspects are key, not only post-show meetups, but you also managed to end up building on our two Star Wars beer shows and your beer blog post by actually sponsoring a Star Wars can and bottle trade on the Saturday night. Can you tell us all about it? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Celebration is it's just as much about what you get up to after the show. It's it's where and we've all mentioned it tonight. It's where the friends are made. So, you know, I didn't hide away in the hotel room. Um, I was out every night. So the first night warm up on the Wednesday was at the Star Wars Tiki Facebook group meetup at the Tangora Terrace outside Trader Sam's enchanted tiki room at the disney hotel which was a a nice easy one to start with bit of a mingle trade some swag see a few people best swag of the whole convention was handed to me in that first five minutes which were mini stormtrooper tiki mugs by a, a lady called alexia hilario and her husband which were unrivaled throughout the rest of the event and we'll talk a little bit about swag in, in a moment um, Thursday night we went to a party at a bar called Bobby V's, uh, which was hosted by an LGBT Star Wars community podcast called Pink Milk. Um, and what a lovely bunch of people they were. That was really nice to hang out with some, some different people, meet meet a few new folks. Friday night was the room sales and a chance to, to catch up with Jason and have a, have a beer with Peter Lee. Um, but the Saturday night was the Generation Skywalker sponsored beer event. So... I know that when we've spoken about Chicago in relation to the beer shows we did, we discussed this bottle trade that that we chanced upon on Facebook and and went along to. And, and what a great experience that was to share beers from all around the States. And we brought some with us from the UK. And a bit of a Star Wars theme. And it was, it was such a lovely event. And we made such, such good friends. We were keen that this would happen again. And obviously, I say we, Kimberly drove a lot of this. But there was an event that, that cropped up on Facebook called Hop Wars, which was a like an after party on the Saturday night with a with a craft beer theme to be hosted at a brewery called Rad Brewing, and that was being organised by a, a podcast called Fresh Hops and a guy called Joey Pittman. And you know, Kimberly reached out to him and said, "Well, this is the the closest thing we've seen to to this this beer event that we went to in Chicago." Is there a, an element where we can trade beers? And that they um, struck up a bit of a relationship online. Kimberly went on his podcast. They talked Star Wars beers. And, and this this idea of this, this beer event grew. And obviously, it's a difficult thing to ask a brewery or a venue in terms of, you know, people rocking up with pre-bought beers and, and opening them and exchanging them. We reached an agreement with the with the brewery that, yes, we could we could bring along these beers as long as they stayed sealed and didn't interfere with the, the trade of the, of the evening. So I volunteered our services to create them a little logo and, and I'd said I'd do a, a, a post-event video. So that that was the extent of our sponsorship. But it was a nice way of just putting our name to, to something there that was on the on the calendar of events and, and, and featured in, in the roundups of like the after hours fringe activities, if you like. It took place in a in a brewery. We had a, a little dedicated area where we could set up the different beers and people just got into it. There was a real buzz about it before the event. Kimberly did a great job of just promoting it. She promoted it in, in, in groups like, um, I forget the exact name of it, but Flying Solo. So where people were going to 
um, celebration on their own. It was we put it in there as a, as a way of people to kind of come and mingle and uh, and swap a beer and, and and get to know folks. So um, it was really well attended. It was it was really well attended, and and I got to see some really interesting products. Um, I, I think the the beer scene, as you know, the Star Wars beer scene. I think it produces some really unusual stuff. It's a little bit edgy. It's a little bit under the under the radar. Uh, and it, and it's all the more fun for it. So we, we we came back with a whole load of really unusual and beautifully designed beer bottles and beer cans that all had this Star Wars theme. And there's there's one it's called Hello There, and it's got um, beautiful drawing of um, uh, of Obi Wan Kenobi and his and his EOP. Uh, so I'll share some of the pictures. But yeah, it was it, it was a great great event and chatted to a few people and also got to to catch up with will and robin who were the the guys that we met that very first one in chicago so i've got a little bit of an interview with them which i can cut to now so i'm here with robin and will arnold and we are at rad beer um for the hop wars star wars celebration after party collaboration with craft beer pinup uh, and Generation Skywalker bottle share, so <laughs> it's going really well. Yeah. It's well, it's early. Oh, and um, there are lots of people here. Right? A lot of beer, yeah. There's there's lots of people here, and people seem excited to share Star Wars themed beers from around the world, which is just great. And I know I've told this story on the podcast before on the beer show, but that's how we met. Yeah. At yes. An event very similar to this in Chicago in 2019. That was our first celebration. Yeah. And we heard about the event through the Facebook group, and Will was homebrewing at the time. Yeah, so it was just a little uh, homebrewer's beer swap, right, at a a homebrewing club out in the neighborhoods in Chicago, kind of on the west side of Chicago. It was nighttime, there were maybe (laughs) several streetlights out. It looked a little shady from the outside. Yep, uh, and it it was pretty small. I'd say there was about 20 to 30 people. Yeah. Um, and throughout the night, I saddled up next to Kimberly as the only other, uh, gal there. I was like, we're going to be friends by the end of the night. <laughs> and, uh, we, she had stay puffed yes, and yeah, was cracking it open and it was delicious. And you had a homebrewed stout. Yeah. Poured me a cold one. Which I'm wearing a T-shirt of right now, which you can definitely see in the podcast. It was a leap of faith for all concerned, really, to to, to go away from the convention center, a get in an Uber, away. quite yeah. a way away, yeah. into an industrial area, um, to a, a lock-up garage. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's what it was. Yeah, but yeah, it was um, it was a great night, and I think hopefully from the evidence so far this evening, you know, the start of something. So we were very keen to do it again. Uh, and, and sort of expected it just to happen organically and we were watching the Facebook um, groups and seeing what was going on and then this craft beer event Hop Wars came up and you know in a very short space of time Kimberly and Fresh Hop Podcast made friends and uh, started to collaborate on this so you know we put the word out and we've had about 400 RSVPs tonight for this event so we shall I see hope they all come. <laughs> I hope everyone makes an appearance we shall see how it goes i hope you have to buy more luggage <laughs> it, well it is it is the saturday so you know people get tired so we can expect a you know 30 percent drop off of that at least so but um but yeah we we came laden down with with uh cans and bottles from empress brewery 
um, who are a Star Wars themed brewery, let alone a brewery that makes Star Wars themed beers. Um, we've got some Obi-Wan cannelloni, who, uh, which has been made by Brew York, who did the Mos Eisley Katharina that we've tasted on the show and the Mangalorian that we've also we tasted on the second beer show. This is their third Star Wars beer, so we've got a trilogy from them. And I think there's some other stuff. Execute Order 66. I think that might be an Empress collaboration with somebody. It's out of reach. I can't tell you exactly who. But we, yeah, we've, we've probably got about 20 beers that we brought over. <laughs> That's um, amazing, though. It's so few and far between in the United States. Like, only a few people do it, and they don't mass produce it, and you can't ship it all over the country. And so it's really cool that you're able to get such a wide variety and so many microbreweries involved in that. Mm. We're jealous. <laughs> well, you know, we we put we put it on the on the group, and so many people came forward and said, "Oh, well, I've got this. I'm going to bring this from Ohio, and I'm going to bring this from wherever." And and it's like, "Wow, this is great Darth Maul can." And there's one that's um, well, it's everything. You yes. name it. There's 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 something on the can, and, and some of it's subtle, like we've talked about before. It's just a funny name, Star Warsy name. And other things have got they're all out, and they are copyright worrying yeah. graphics. <laughs> but it's just, I think it's a wonderfully exciting little niche <laughs> yeah it was especially in chicago with such a small and intimate setting um after you got over the fear factor of it uh there was an interesting like intersection between the people that were really into beer and the people that were really into star wars <laughs> and i feel like there were a couple of outliers from the homebrew association that hosted us last time of like yeah i mean i've seen star wars to like the hardcore guys who are making their own beer, labeling it Star Wars, and are into beer and hops and the science and are into Star Wars. And it's just a cool little pocket of the fandom that we had no idea existed if it hadn't been for the Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's definitely a, like a Venn diagram where, where that sort of overlaps. And I think there's, you know, people who are, who are running these microbreweries, they're of an age, and it's part of their culture too. They tend to be on the... On the geeky side, in a you know, let's be honest about it, it's in a, in a good way, <laughs> a positive way, um, and they express their love of the pop culture through what they're doing, and you know, it's not just Star Wars. You see Ghostbusters, Transformers, whatever, but it does bleed through into their product, and it connects with their audience. You know, they, they share the joke, the funny, uh, the funny pun name for their uh, their beer. Yeah, pork me a cold one. Pork me a cold one. Yeah, we always uh, go for the puns. Well, that's it. We instantly, we instantly have that connection. You know, <laughs> I see that, and I know you're my kind of people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of which, I mean, like we 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 sort of struck up a friendship that night, and you've been over to England, and we met you on our honeymoon. <laughs> you crashed our met, wedding. I was going to say <laughs> met or crash. Uh, um, yes. Uh, thankfully, my mother will not hear this, but I got shamed for crashing your honeymoon. Did you? Well, you were invited. That was inappropriate. <laughs> you were invited. I was like, uh, are you kidding? Uh, no, mom, I'm going. <laughs> no, it was it was wonderful, and I, I think we've got a whole episode in just sitting down and talking together, talking about your art, talking about your collaging, talking about your Vader collection, and I think we still need to do that. But just quickly tonight, just give me your impressions of celebration this year. How has it been for you? I mean, it's been great. Uh, this is our second celebration, and so it's been so fun coming back and seeing a lot of people who we met at last celebration. I mean, obviously, you guys at the top of the list, you and Kimberly, but lots of other people. We've um, we personally really enjoy making swag stickers, and and we've done some zines and buttons and things. Um, 
of our own kind of like artwork and just Star Wars fun. We, we love joke to give things. it out to people, so. and we love sharing that with people. And and so we we've met a whole lot of other people through that. Other people who are doing similar kind of things, yeah. and that um, that kind of like fan generated, just like homemade excitement about Star Wars um, is, I think, like some of my favorite thing. And that that really was in the in some of the homebrew stuff at the beer event last time too, and. And, you know, it's similar with the breweries doing it. Like you said, like, they're just a bunch of nerds, too, who also enjoy this stuff <laughs> yeah. and, like, who are, who are wanting to do that. And you can see people participating in the Star Wars culture at every level from the, like, kids making little drawings to bring in and trade with people all the way up to official companies making products that they're selling yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. You know? it's, it's, it's great. It's great. And I think great pleasure of introducing you to the room sales last night yes that was a blast <laughs> definitely a highlight of my trip <laughs> for sure yeah absolutely well listen it's always a pleasure to hang out with you and we'll turn the recording off and go and have some beers um and we will definitely get you back properly and do it over skype and have a no have, an, have an evening and absolutely. i need to redo my list a, structure, <laughs> so no a structured interview <laughs> yeah. i think i need to do all vader so i need to redo my list <laughs> cool right. thank you Cheers. very much Cheers. so yeah that's will and robin and uh and a little little chat that we recorded um at the beer show hop wars incorporating the generation skywalker sponsored beer can and bottle trade and next time, we'll all be there having beers. We will. I have 20,000 Republic Dactaris. Republic credits? Republic credits are no good out here. I need something more real. I don't have anything else, but credits will do fine. No, they won't. So, on to something that we've already alluded to at the beginning of the show, and that is swag. We've mentioned it on other shows as well. Fan-made items made to break the ice while queuing for an event for or for trading with other collectors. You see some absolute standout pieces on this. Swag items seem to get more elaborate and more intrinsic to the event every time, and you were keen that you didn't go empty-handed. Uh, can you tell us about our swag, Craig, how it went down, and any key pieces that uh, you were handed back? As a phenomenon, it goes from strength to strength i mean i think to the point where i was with my friend darren i'd designed him some swag it was a bit last minute it didn't turn up in time and it was almost like he was socially compromised <laughs> for not having anything with him you know because the, uh, it, it really is a thing it is the way that a lot of fans will, will, will talk to each other there's an expectation that if you hand something out that somebody will open a bag and start rummaging around and say would you like one of these, would you like one of these? it really is a social uh, a lubricant and an etiquette to it um, all of its own i think it can get a bit extreme to be honest i think i'm not lying there's a certain sector of the star wars um, swag trading community that takes it perhaps a little bit too seriously but you know they're having fun and they're not hurting anyone unless they're elbowing kids out of the way to get to their patches but it really is a thing so i was keen and i know that we weren't going out there on mass it wasn't a big generation skywalker push but i wanted to make sure that we did have something that was of a suitable quality you know it didn't have to be elaborate so the the swag that i created for for, for this event it's all based around the poster art so i know that one of the the old fossils shows that we did talked about the unproduced poster art that i discovered online and we, we that spawned a blog it's spawned a, a section on the on the podcast but also 
Jez finding that Palatoy sheet that was part of the packaging for the uh, for one of the the, the poster sets from the, the 1977-78 releases it was just a, a nice thing to latch onto. So the idea was that we took those designs, scaled them down, changed the proportions slightly so that they'd fit a, a postcard pack. And make a little postcard pack with it with an insert in a little poly bag as a little miniature, little miniature replica of what was ultimately the Kenner version. So I, I played to the gallery, spelt colour without a U. But they were nice, easy things to hand out. They didn't cost us a lot to do, and they were different enough to stand out from all the patches and the pins that that, that people do. So it was nice to go out with a uh, 250 of those and put them into people's hands. You know, you could tell if people had a connection with it. Some of the older guys, there'd, there'd be this glimmer of like, oh, God, that's amazing. I had one of those. But at the same time, you could give it to a kid who was queuing to go to see the Mandalorian experience and they got a little colouring pack. So I think as a piece of swag, I was really pleased with how that landed uh, with with people. Obviously, if they took the time to open them and explore them, there's a QR code on there, took them to the blog about colouring posters. Um, but that was our swag. That's what we went out with. So if you picked up one of those, good on you. I hope you coloured it in and had some fun with it. So I wasn't actively hunting things down. I mean, it was organically. If you if you got talking to people, people give you swag, and it was nice. You know, I wasn't hunting down any particular runs of patches or or anything like that. Notable elements of swag: the Twin Suns Brewery did their beer theme patches again, which um, followed on directly from the ones they did in Chicago, which were which were really nice. Um, but I think if people want to explore some of the swag. Just go and check out the, the the swag group on Facebook because there's been a lot of work since of people collating what was out there and showcasing it. And there's just some stunning things, <laughs> some absolutely stunning things. To say these are fan-made, the thought that goes into them, the creativity that goes into them, it's it's a massive part of, of celebration. I've mentioned the, the little miniature tiki mugs, uh, which are great. But I think one of my favourite bits was Billy Galaxy's human cyborg relations pin badge which he'd made out of that french illustration that stuart loves so much of princess leah making sparks come out of c-3po's neck the most amazing image ever (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love the um is it the wilro hoods ice cream patches and ice cream tub and there was like different flavors and the patches the illustrations and the design and the, the effort that went into creating that whole swag was just next level absolutely it was like it was tiered so i think you could get the the patches i think they had the tubs they had like little branded wooden spoons and i think they were like exclusive like scoops in presentation boxes i mean it's just it's high-end gift level some of it so fans do some of the best stuff i've said it before i'll say it again fans do create some of the best stuff you've said that before haven't you mark and i think you've said it again I, i i'm gonna i'm gonna say it again just in case that message isn't registering with any of you, Stuart, you in particular, fans do the best of. I've said this before, but if you're watching the Enhanced, there'll be lots of pictures of swag. What about that blue one? We'll take that one. Mommy, I am a blue dog. Yeah, I'm quite sure you'll be very pleased with that one, sir. Right then, Craig. So I want you to sum up. Was it worth the trip and was it worth the effort and money? Summing that up, yes. Yes, it was. Okay, right. There we have it. Joking. <laughs> Carry on. No, I mean, you know, it's not a cheap trip. Foreign travel is not cheap. It is not easy. It is not convenient. It takes a lot of effort. It's a little bit stressful, particularly the way the world has been the last year or two. 
But once you're out there, it's about the moment. And I think for me, celebrations are something that I have decided to prioritise. You know, been to seven successive. You know, I, I see people and I go, I can't, I can't believe I'm going to celebrations. Once in a lifetime trip for me. I just love it. I love it so much. I, being with my people, being in such a big space with such a diverse range of people. I, I enjoy hanging out with vintage stars collectors in shopping centres in the UK. I, I love that as well. But there's just something about celebration that that makes it worth the while. And we're going to talk about it in a moment. But the fact that it's coming to London, we're based in the UK. We need to get together. We need to get to we need to get to celebration. I also think, you know, it's not just about that event and, and there's something about doing some Star Warsy stuff on that side of the coast in the States. There's a bit of magic to it. There's a bit of Hollywood. There's a bit of the San Fran area that, that is just where all of this was born. So it's a, it's a spiritual thing, if that doesn't sound too uh, ridiculous, you know, and, and to be over there drive around LA, see the giant Obi-Wan Kenobi billboard posters in the sunshine against the palm trees. I mean, we spent time either side of the event around Burbank and Orange and you go to antique centres and they're putting little displays on of Star Wars collectibles because Star Wars was in town. It's just, it's just great. And of course, because you're in Anaheim, there's Galaxy's Edge. I mean, I could fill an episode with my thoughts on Galaxy's Edge, but it's suffice to say that I was blown away blown away by visiting star wars world and flying the millennium falcon i've seen the real one um <laughs> how many of you use your first star wars celebration any of you first how many of you would come to celebration again <laughs> me too me too well, imagine if this is your first celebration and you're also the first time starring in a Star Wars series as amazing as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, we had a guest that stopped by that has had such a good weekend. He just wanted to come out and say hello. You guys want to say hi to one of the cast members of Obi-Wan Kenobi? <laughs> in his first appearance in a, Star Wars, uh, in a Star Wars series and his first Star Wars celebration, we have the Grand Inquisitor himself, Rupert Friend. He's right back here. Come on out, Rupert. Thanks for doing this. Thank you. So, uh, Rupert, how was your weekend? <laughs> um, it has been the weekend of my life. I want to thank you guys so much for my first ever Star Wars celebration. You made me feel at home. The people that came to see me at the signing tables welcomed me to the Star Wars family. And I want to say it feels great to be a part of your family. Thank you. Do you think you'd ever do this again? Would you ever come Hell back? Hell yes. <laughs> That's great to hear. Well, uh, I was wondering also, since you're here, if you would help us uh, make an announcement about maybe when we could do this again. Oh. <laughs> if you're interested. You want to do this again? You want to do this again next year? Next year in less than a year. And none other than my hometown, London, England. 
Star Wars Celebration, April 7th through 10th at Excel Center in London, 2023. See you there. Rupert Friend, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, yeah. And for all of you, we love you. We love Star Wars. Thank you so much. This has been a weekend for the history books. And may the force be with you. Okay, so Star Wars Celebration is going to be returning to London XL on April the 7th, 2023. That is just nine months time. Are we all attending? Well, I can answer that question for all of us. Yes. Hotels booked. I'm not sure on the rest of you. Me and Jez already are. Yes. 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi and our shot in the UK. I mean, Ahsoka must be due around then at the same time. This is going to be the best. Four days rather than three, like last time it was in London. Thoughts, boys? Let's let's chat London. We're yeah. all excited. Super excited. Four days. A few people are like, oh, it's four days, four days. Do you know what? Chicago is five. And, and people have kind of forgotten that. So uh, for, to have it for four days is brilliant. There's got to be something about the Excel because this is the third time it's been at the Excel. And I don't think it's been... Uh, to another area three times you know you look at anaheim twice uh, and so on but for 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 it to come back to london for a third time is absolutely incredible there's so much to look forward to i i know that globally we're we're struggling a little bit europe is struggling america you know every, everyone's on a bit of a, a downer at the moment sort of financially so i really do hope that it is um, visited by people all over the place because it these things are really made, you know, when we've got people from across the pond, people from Australia coming over, the Swedes coming over, people from Germany, you know, the whole mixture, the whole collection of, of Star Wars fans. I really, really hope that it's a, a mega busy one. At the same time, though, it was always nice at Essen when it wasn't that busy and you could just go into every panel. But, yeah, super excited. We will be there in some way, shape or form, I'm sure, with a booth or a panel or who knows what. Excited, Mark? Yeah, of course I am. Absolutely uh, just over the moon when they announced London. And I think pretty much like everybody else when you woke up, because I, I didn't know about about it until the next day in the morning. I got onto Facebook and everybody's posting, oh, London to 2023. And all the Americans were moaning and everybody in the UK were absolutely jumping up and down, hurriedly booking hotels as quickly as possible. Um, so yeah, we had a frantic search around for a hotel. Uh, we managed to get one sorted. Um, would have liked to have booked another flat this time, but it, it just hasn't worked out. So uh, yeah, booking a hotel for for this one next year, and it'll be even better this time because I know so many more people. So it's just it's going to be immense. And I, obviously, having done the one in 2016. Uh, and I know a bit more what's involved. Um, obviously, Generation Skywalker. It just makes for a really great sort of four or five days. Um, and like I said to you earlier, I'm I'm more excited about the things that go on outside of the venue, the the, the meetups, the room sales, the the drinking, the partying, the the, the sort of general just hanging out with your mates, talking Star Wars. It's, it's great. It's, you know, one of the best things about being a, a Star Wars fan. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. going to be epic, epic proportions. Um, any tips, people that are going to come? Take deodorant. 
Well, <laughs> hey, that's not a tip. That's just you're either you're either that way inclined or you're not. And sadly, there are too many that aren't. Yeah, don't spend money on toys. Spend money on toiletries. I I, find, I tell you what I did find helped. Um, some proper decent walking boots. I think Grant would appreciate that comment because he wore some sandals once. <laughs> he wore he wore sandals and flip flops one day and was in absolute agony. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he was begging me to go up to Mary Franklin and interrupt her meal <laughs> to ask to get a medic or something. Yeah, no, that was going to happen. Grant. Just absolutely, he's, he's, he's just in bits. But thinking that the right thing to do was to interrupt the organizer while she was having a meal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what would I encourage people to do, or what would I recommend? Chat to people, chat to people in the queue. Everyone's there for the same reason. It's incredible the friends you'll make. You know, I first met Sean Moynihan in a bar, just chatting, just chatting. And then a couple of years later, I end up staying at his house on Staten Island when I go off to run marathon in New York, you know, just become solid friends. Friendships are made here. It's, it's brilliant. That's the best part. I'd agree with all that. Just make the effort. Put it in your diary. Make sure you're there the day the tickets go live. Experience it any which way you can. We're a small country. Sometimes London can feel a long way away if they've been other parts of England, but there's, there's no excuses not to get, get the train down for at least one day. Uh, and experience this thing for yourself and you know from my perspective I, I loved my time in Anaheim just gone if I could change anything about it I would have loved to have had you guys with me it would have just made it all the more special but we'll do it in London honestly my favorite thing is just seeing all the fans back here yeah. and feeling the love it's you know we've been doing this for a few years now and it never gets old it's just this like crazy love fest and whenever people ask me what I love most about Celebration and what I love most about Star Wars, it's really the fan community because it is truly one of a kind. Well, London Celebration, cannot wait. It's going to be good. But uh, of course, you can check out our social media on this and go and check out Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Search for Generation Skywalker. We are across them all. There's three Instagram uh, pages, depending on what you're into. We have our main page linked to the show, and then we do have a vintage-specific and a modern-specific show. So go and have a, a little gander at them. Also on Facebook, we have our community page, We Are Generation Skywalker. Go and check out YouTube, the enhanced shows, uh, unboxings, the Skywalker Blast of snippets of things we've done. And go and check out www.generationskywalker.com where you will find links to everything, including some blogs and um, links to all the social media over there as well. But it is for this celebration of celebration. It is good night from Mark. Night. It is good night from Jez. Sweet dreams, my LAX. Was that Rachel Stevens? It was. Look at that. Smoking. Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) It's good night from Craig. Cheerio. And it is... Good night from me, and we're Generation Skywalker. All eras, all passions, all styles.